How appropriate it is today uh, that as we celebrate the dedication of some beautiful children and presented them with some gifts of meaning, uh, that's what we gave them this morning, that we would begin a new sermon series uh, about that very same thing. Because reality is, uh, here it comes. Ready or not, here it comes. How many thinks this year has flown by? Yes, I feel like it has just flown right past us. But whether you're ready or not, whether the tree or the trees uh, are assembled and up or not, Christmas is coming. Uh, with all the hustle and bustle, with all the paper and bows, the lights and the wreaths, all of those wonderful sights and sounds that we're accustomed to, Christmas is coming. And Christmas captures our attention and our heart, and even regardless of how old we are, it captures our imagination. Um, I think that's true for even all of those of us who know and try to focus on the true, the real meaning of Christmas. And we try to imagine what that very first Christmas was like. And out of our imagination, we create, we recreate the Christmas story. We create nativity scenes. And the scene is complete with sheep and animals and shepherds and a manger and all of those things that that we're all familiar with. You know what the scene normally looks like in your mind. The shepherds are on one side peering into the crib and then you find uh, the wise men, the three wise men are on the other side and they're all gazing into the face of Jesus. And however, this morning, I wanna tell you, I, I kinda hate, as I thought about this, I thought about this because this week, thinking about putting up our nativity set, we all probably have a favorite one. Um, and I don't want to break up your beautiful crystal, maybe uh, resin or marble nativity set or whatever it is that you may have, but the scene itself that we're so accustomed to is not very accurate about the portrayal of the birth of Jesus. In fact, the shepherds and the wise men were probably not even there at the same time. The wise men would almost seem to be uh, very late because they arrive at a different time, most likely because they journeyed this far great distance, as we read according to Scripture, um, a long distance so that they could come and pay homage or give honor uh, to the baby Jesus. And so maybe the first lesson, even before, and I'm getting ready to read my main text, but maybe there's a first lesson even before we get into that account, and that is that the distance that you may be from Jesus this morning. That distance is not nearly as important as the fact that you begin that journey towards Jesus. Because before we even get started today, I wanna to encourage you, because I feel like, especially in this season, there's always people that are here during this season that you may feel like you're far, far away. But I wanna encourage you today. It's never too late. Somebody help me preach this morning. It is never too late to start taking steps and making your journey towards Him. And the good news is, if you start taking steps towards Him, I wonder if anybody will testify with me this morning. If you start taking steps towards Him, you will find Him. Can I get a witness in this house? So for a few moments today, I want us to go back and I apologize that I'm going to dismantle 
your image of the perfect nativity set this morning. If you will, stand with me all over the house. I'm going to read one passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it first in the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it in one of my favorite versions, which is the message translation for some further clarification. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now I want to read that same passage in the message translation. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again, the same star they had seen in the eastern skies. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. Look at the person next to you this morning and say, you're in the right place at the right time. Verse 11, they entered the house and they saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother, and overcome, they kneeled and worshiped him. Then they opened their luggage and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Today I want to preach the first of three messages in this series I've titled Gifts of Meaning, and today we're going to talk about gold. If you will, pray with me and for me this morning. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for everything that's taken place in this service thus far. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for the next few moments that you would remove every hindrance, Lord, that would come against us and prohibit us from hearing what you would speak to your people today. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I wouldn't speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that, Lord, I would speak your word today in the power and the demonstration of your spirit, anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what thus saith the word of God to us today. And, Lord, more than anything, let us all leave differently than we came because we've been in your presence and we've been changed by your word. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it in advance. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Ben. So I don't know if you caught it or not. Uh, the, the nativity scene destroyer, if you will, or if you heard the phrase when I said it. But the word told us this morning about the wise men that they entered where? The house. Luke describes the scene with the shepherds and says that Jesus was born in a manger. But the wise men, we know, arrived at a different time because in two different places in Scripture, it tells us that they entered into the house. Now, it's not their punctuality uh, or lack thereof that I want to focus on during this season, but rather I want to spend some time each week examining the presence that they, that they brought to Jesus. These wise men brought gifts, and I want us to look at these gifts rather closely. Gold is the first gift we're going to look at today. And the first wise man, we read, uh, the message translation says their luggage. He opens up his bag and presents gold to this baby that he has came to worship. Now, this gift of gold has been scrutinized throughout the ages. If you do much studying on Scripture, you'll find that it's claimed by several Bible scholars that it was this gift of gold that financed the escape of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus to Egypt. 
If you'll remember, not long after the birth, Herod wanted every child under the age of two killed. And Joseph had to take his family and flee for their safety. And most Bible scholars tell us that it was highly possible that it was this gift of gold that made that escape possible. Now, I want you to pause right there uh, and think about something with me this morning. I want to ask you a question. Could it be that the gift that you come and present to Jesus might, maybe, just maybe, make somebody else's salvation possible? Could it be what you have to offer and the gift that you bring to Jesus might be the thing that makes somebody else's salvation possible? How many remembers the person who invited them to church before they gave their heart to the Lord and got saved or rededicated their life to the Lord? Could it be that the, just the menial task, the mundane and routine action, could it even be that those things that you do Sunday after Sunday, that role that you have that, yes, many times we grow tired. Yes, many times you may grow weary. But could it be those things that we do that seem to be mundane and just routine and sometimes even go unnoticed, maybe even unappreciated? Could it be that gift that you offer that makes it possible for somebody else to escape their destruction. I feel my help as I preach this this morning. We discount too many times the importance of what we do for the Lord. You may say, Pastor, I'm just a door greeter. Or Pastor, I, I'm, just a, uh, I'm just on the praise team. Or I'm just, I, I'm just somebody who facilitates in a class. I want to tell you something this morning. There is nothing that you can do for the kingdom of God that is insignificant. Did you hear me? Nothing. Nothing you can do for the kingdom of God is insignificant. I've heard many people say before. Uh, as a matter of fact, I even read, and I don't want to embarrass her, but uh, before we were even friends on Facebook, Angie and I were on vacation and we read a post after the Sunday morning service that Kendall uh, Brewer back here posted. And one of the first things she said that struck me was, from the moment I entered the door and saw the smiling faces and the warm welcome, I want to commend our ushers and greeters this morning. It means something to welcome people into the house of God with a smile. And she went on to talk about the presence of God in the service. Kendall, I didn't even plan this. It's not even in my notes, but I'm gonna, if it's all right, I'm going to talk about it this morning. She went on to talk about the presence of God that was in the service and how that the message that Pastor Nicholas preached that Sunday was catered just to her. I want to tell you something this morning. God does not make mistakes. God doesn't make any mistakes. And everything that we do for Him is significant and it's important. And don't allow the enemy to make you think that what you do for God is not significant when it could be the very thing that causes somebody else to escape destruction and moves them beyond the reach of the enemy into the fold in the house of God. Perhaps one of the lessons from this gift that's very important, another lesson, is that we are to present our very best to Jesus. When we approach the gift of God, we should always bring gifts. Are you with me? When we come into the house of God, we should always bring our gifts to God. And if we're not careful, we'll compare 
what we have to bring, maybe to these gifts, but also maybe to somebody else's gift. And then it feels like we falter or what we have is less than. But I want to tell you something this morning. It isn't the cost of the gift. Hear me when I say this. It isn't the cost of the gift that we bring. It's the value of the gift that matters. And it's also how you present that gift to the Lord. How do you present it, Pastor? In worship. Psalms chapter 100 and verse 4 said, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Galatians 6 and 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not or if we do not lose heart. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. I probably won't get any amens on this one. Bring all. It's so quiet. Say all. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Can I testify to you this morning? If, if you will do, I said if, if you will do what God's Word instructs you to do with your finances, I want to stand before you this morning not boasting, not bragging, not any of that, but testifying to you. God will do what His Word said He will do. Sometimes your life may get under scrutiny because the Lord's blessed you. But I want to tell you something. It'll only be scrutinized, you hear me when I say this, by those who don't do what God's Word says for them to do. It matters, church, it matters what we bring to God. We must present what is most valued and most precious. And as we enter into this season of giving and receiving, we need to stop and make sure that as the year draws to a close, that we have also offered Jesus our best. Have we given him the things that we treasure the most? Is that finances? Have we held back? Is that worship? Have we just gone through the motions? Is that time? Have we been selfish? Is it service maybe? Have we, have we skipped out on what we could be doing for the Lord in order to do what we prefer to do that pleases our flesh? I want to challenge you to stop for just a moment and make sure that you have given and continue to give Jesus those things that you value the most. Stop and make sure that your treasure has been presented to him. Why is that so important, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Jesus would tell us later in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, for where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. In other words, it is crucial, it is vital to intentionally and willfully lay your treasure at Jesus' feet because listen to your pastor this morning. What you treasure, you will worship. What you treasure, you will worship. So it's crucial that we lay that at Jesus' feet because if we refuse to offer our treasure to Jesus, the day will come when our treasure will take the place of Jesus in our hearts. And I know people who are worshiping other things today. I know people, I'm just going to say it, who have even been given a second lease on life. And they were thankful in the beginning and then it didn't take them very long to forget about where God had brought them from. I want to challenge you this season. Don't be waiting for calamity and travesty and tragedy to strike your home before you bring it all to Jesus. Bring your best to Him in advance and watch His hand of protection overshadow your life. It's also been said that this gift of gold is significant because it's the gift that you present or would present to a king. This gift is a prophetic declaration that this unassuming, crowded out baby was indeed very special. He was anointed to be king. And perhaps the importance of this gift isn't the gift itself, but rather what it says about the one who is receiving it. See, it's very easy, especially this time of year, I feel like, to kind of miss this side of Jesus when we view him as a baby in a manger. But it's crucial during Christmas that we're reminded that that baby is our king. It's absolutely crucial during this time to reiterate the fact that that baby Jesus was indeed the heir to the throne. And that we are to throne him in our own life. Are you with me this morning? He is a king, but if we're not careful, we'll make Jesus a king without a kingdom. We are to be part of that kingdom. And in order to do that, we must throne him in our own lives. We must establish our life as his kingdom. We must make him not only our savior, but our Lord. See, the problem with the church world today is, or society today, everybody wants a savior. Nobody wants to go to hell. Right? Anybody out there that just itching to go to hell this morning? I didn't think so. Nobody wants to go to hell. Everybody wants a savior, but it's an entirely next level step to also make him your Lord and your king. It's important to make sure that in our lives, Jesus is more than just a baby. He's king. See, I feel like we don't fully understand the concept of king and sovereign in our democratic governmental system. But if you do much study on it and realize the importance of that role, uh, we would do good to give him that role in our lives. The presentation of gold was the 
coronation present, if you will, for what Isaiah had already prophetic, prophetically declared in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. You know, most of you know the scripture. We read it every Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The word said here that the government will be upon his shoulders. He is the king. The ruling, the reigning, uh, and the running is on him. Are you with me this morning? It doesn't really matter right now who's in the White House. What really matters is who is your king. Who is your king? Because he's the only one. He's the only one. Some of y'all think you can. But he's the only one that could shoulder the weight of the government on his shoulders. I don't know about you, but I couldn't carry it around if you saddled it to me. It's a hot mess. Can I get a witness? It's a sad day. I'm not going to get on a soapbox very long, but this is all I'm going to say. It's a sad day. Even I asked some people last night sitting at a table, when is this ever going to end? It's a sad day when you cannot find people in a society as large as the one we live in that want to work a job. It's a sad day. Now, those of you that don't even think you're gonna like what I'm about to say, go ahead and do this. Government is what got us where we are today. This book, not in my message, and I'm not gonna be long on it, it's already 12.04. This book teaches me that a man or a woman earns their living by the sweat of their brow. The only thing that's free is salvation. And young people, I want to tell you, if you want something in this life, you've got to work for it. Can I get a witness? Don't expect anybody to give it to you for free because number one, when it's free, it's not worth anything. It doesn't mean anything to you. But when you sweat to earn it, you'll appreciate it, you'll manage it better, and you'll do more and be more of an example of what God's Word says we are to be. Can I get a witness in this house this morning? Now you can take your thumbs out. This gift of gold also asserts the need to establish Jesus as the Lord of our life. And let me finish here. How do you know if you have made him king and Lord in your life? Isaiah shows us because he says when we allow the government, what's that represent? The kingship, the lordship, and the life of Jesus. When we allow the, the kingship and the lordship of our life to rest on Jesus, there is no confusion. I'm going to make three quick points and be done. There is no confusion. Number one, he is, he is, he is a wonderful counselor. Let me say this. Stop going to other people to try to get your answer. 
I don't care how spiritual they look in church or act in church. He is the wonderful counselor. Get yourself a one-on-one communicating relationship with him and there will not be confusion in your life because he's a wonderful counselor. We've been told that God's not the author of confusion. When Jesus is kinged in our lives, we have a wonderful counselor that we can turn to and the confusion is driven out. When Jesus is king, peace, say peace. Could anybody use any peace? Peace rules and reigns in the place of confusion. In fact, Isaiah doubles down here, and I preached to myself a little bit this week, because if you'd had a week like I had, you'd know why. But Isaiah doubles down and he says, he is, he is the prince of peace. He starts with the lack of confusion which we need to get rid of. And then we, he ends with peace. Too many who claim that Jesus is king, their lives reveal otherwise because their lives scream of the absence of peace. I have never seen a time when people are more stressed, more distraught, more wringing their hands, not worrying about every minute and what they're going to do. And I've even done it some myself. But when we reestablish Him as the King and Lord, we'll allow the peace of Christ to reign. When we allow the kingship of Jesus to be on our life, there is number two, there is no challenge. Because He is the Almighty God. We know that Christ has been King in our lives when we submit to Him. There will be no challenge. We surrender. Have you ever been challenged by somebody that disagrees with you? When we King Christ in our lives, there'll be no challenge with us. There's, can I tell you right now, there's a challenge in today's society, when I, and in the church even, when I open this book and preach the word. It's challenged. He's judging me. He was... He was talking right to me this morning. Talking about me. I even had somebody tell me that one time. And I said, I got news for you. I didn't know anything you just told me until you just told me. So if he read your mail, take it up with him. Don't be mad at me. People want to challenge the word. If it crosses what they want to do, they want to challenge the word. But when he's the king and the Lord of our lives, there's no challenge. We surrender. That's what this means. We throw up our hands and we surrender. We don't bow up. We don't fight back. And we don't try. Here's what we do in the church today, but we ain't supposed to try to negotiate. See, instead of trying to see how close to God we can get, a lot of people want to try to see how much of the world they can hold on to and still get to heaven. There's no negotiation. He is the almighty God. And when we claim him as Lord, then he's in full control. And lastly, when we allow the kingship of Jesus to be on our life, there is, there is no close. There's no end. Because the word said he is the everlasting father. When we establish him as Lord in this life with the understanding, there'll be no end to his rule and reign. That's what the word says. He shall reign forever and ever and ever. The choice that we make in this life, listen to me, the choices that we make in this life will have 
eternal implications for us. We assert in this life what will be true in the next life. He isn't just our good, good father, but he's also the everlasting father. He isn't just God when we're in this house lifting our hands and worshiping. He isn't just God when we're sitting here listening to the sermon. He isn't just God when we kneel and pray in the altar. He's also God when we get up on Monday morning and the enemy slaps us straight in the face. He's still God. He's our everlasting Father. And in fact, our attitude is that as we establish Him as our King, His rule will not diminish, it will not subside, but rather it will increase. The Word teaches us, Paul said, I need to decrease so He can increase. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, watch this, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. How long? Forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When he rules with authority, that rule in your life and my life should grow. When he's truly ruling in authority, that rule should grow in our lives. So, the wise man brought him gold. And I want to ask you this morning, how long has it been since you have approached him as king? How long has it been since you've allowed him to have the government of your life, to rule and to reign over you. And if you were to examine your life seated here this afternoon, would it be marked by the wisdom of his counsel? Or would you be basing it on what somebody else has told you? Would your life be marked by his peace and his power? Is your life marked by the understanding that we're living for something beyond today? Did you hear me this morning? I love what they used to say in the old church, that this life is just a dressing room. We're just getting ready for what's to come. See, a lot of people are living their life for today. I wanna do for me today. I wanna do what pleases me. But we forget, we fail to recognize that this life is just a small, short time of preparation. And what we're preparing for is a place where there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no trouble, there is no sorrow, there is no Republican and Democrats. Thank you, Jesus. There is no government. There is nothing. There's no strongholds. There's no addiction. There's no bondage. There's no divorces. There's no death. There's nothing that we go through in this life. That's what we're preparing for. But is your life marked with the understanding that we're living for something beyond today? As they come to the music this morning, I challenge you, I challenge you today. Take a second look at approaching him or re-approaching him as your king. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning or this afternoon now. If you're here today, 
Listen to me closely. If you're here today and you haven't ever approached him as king, I want to tell you, whatever you do, don't put it off another day. Why don't you approach him as king today? Because if you're in this house and you've never accepted Jesus, I promise you there's a room full of people here right now that will testify with me. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Somebody said, preacher, I've heard that all my life. There's nothing to that. I want to tell you, you've allowed the world to skew your view of this King and this Lord that I'm preaching about this morning. Don't let the enemy fool you. Today's your day. He'll be the best decision you'll ever make. But for the rest of you that maybe have already accepted Him, I want to ask you this morning, have you completely and totally surrendered? Everybody do this. Lifting your hands means surrender. If somebody, you can put them down. If somebody was to, I ought to do that during worship sometimes, see how that works. Y'all was just keeping them up there. But if somebody comes at you with a gun, and you don't have one, now make no mistake, most Sundays I'm packing, don't get no bright ideas. I got a bunch of men that are packing too. They can whip one out and take you out quicker than you can blink an eye. At least that's what I'm praying anyway. Amen. But if somebody comes at you with a gun and you don't have one, I don't know what you're going to do. The first thing I'm going to do is this. Right? Because that means I'm showing you my hands. <laughs> Why am I showing you my hands? I'm not holding on to anything. I'm not hiding anything. I'm surrendering. <laughs> That's what the church needs to do today. I would almost, I would almost say that there's as many if not more in the church that need to do some total surrender than there are those that already have. So I've come way too late in the game to let pride and all that foolishness and arrogance and all that bother me. I, you've come way too late in the game to let that offend, offend me or anything else and you don't need to worry about it either. You don't need to worry about what somebody else thinks about you, listen. Let them think what they want to think about you. As long as you're making a step closer to Jesus, let them think what they want to think. But it's time we lift our hands and surrender, fully surrender to Him. Trust Him with His sovereignty in our life. But it's also time for this, and I'm closing with this, and we're about to open this altar. It's time that we, we're talking about gold today. It's time that we bring the very best that we have to offer Him. So I challenge you as they sing this morning, join me in this altar today. Let's revisit the gifts that we bring to Him. Because in our attempts, our feeble attempts to bring so many gifts to Him, there's a lot of talent in this church. If you've been here very long, you can see that. We can produce an atmosphere that we worship in. We can make coffee better than Starbucks and Dunkin'. It's the truth. We can cause your children to love to come to church and they drag you behind them. Trust me, that was strategic. They make you want to come because they want to come. 
There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of things that, that we can do. But I want to tell you this morning, in our feeble attempts to bring so many gifts to Him, we need to make sure and certain <laughs> that we're bringing Him some gifts of value. That we're bringing Him some gifts that matter. That we're bringing Him the very best that we've got to offer. So today, I'm going to bring Him my gold. And I want to challenge as many of you that will to do that with me. Let's acknowledge his kingship and his lordship in our lives and let's bring as they sing let's bring to this altar our very very best